Uh-oh. Corey, you're sideways. Okay, I see you, Johannes, Chris, Corey, Nick, and Philip Farrington. Are you there, Philip? Okay. If you're not a candidate and if you're not uh, on the panel, please put your computers on mute. Uh, we're only going to have um, myself, Philip Farrington, Nick Nelson asking questions with Johannes, Chris McAllister, and Corey, not on mute so that they can be heard. <clears throat> this hour this hours go really, really quick. And so uh, we won't, we're not gonna take any questions, please no interruptions. I'm gonna go ahead and start going over the ground rules. I see people are still logging on. I just wanna thank you all first and foremost, thank you Corey, Johannes and Chris for making yourselves available this evening. Uh, thank you for your willingness to participate. I want to thank Nick uh, Nelson and Philip Farrington for being willing to participate and ask some questions uh, on the panel with me. We've had some last minute changes with all the um, all the struggles in the community, so the panel changed up a little bit, but uh, we're excited to do this. <clears throat> so remember, I just want to remind the candidates that it, this is a candidate forum, it's not a debate. So we want to make sure that everyone has ample time to hear the question, answer the question. Uh, you'll get time to uh, make an introduction. You'll get time to uh, have a closing statement. Each question you'll be giving, uh, the, regarding the questions, each candidate will have two minutes uh, to answer the question. You'll hear me say one minute, then you'll hear me say 30 seconds, and then you'll hear me say stop. Again, this is a new technology for, for me and for everyone. So if we make some mistakes, just everyone please and let's uh, uh, work together with this. Again, if you're not a participant, please uh, go on mute. We want to limit all the background noise so the questions can be heard. There's still people checking in, so. Uh, with that said, Chris, Corey, Johannes, do you have any preliminary questions? Are you guys ready to go? Yeah. Yes. And uh, Philip Farrington, are you are you on? I am. Okay, very good. Well, with that said, I want to thank you all for coming to this candidate forum this evening for Ward 3. For Ward 3 City Council, we have Corey Rodley, Johannes Tadeo, and Chris McAllister, our candidates this evening. We're going to give each of them uh, one minute to make a, a brief opening statement. Then we're going to rapidly get into the questions. They'll be given two minutes to answer each question. Because uh, this, this time will go very fast. It seems like an hour is a lot, but it's not. 
Remember, no interruptions from the audience, please. We want to make sure this is civil and respectful uh, opportunity for uh, these candidates to be heard and have their perspectives uh, to be made known. So with that said, I'm just going to go from who I see in front of me. Johannes, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Chris, and then we'll go to Corey. So Johannes, one minute to make an opening introduction of yourself as a candidate. All right. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm a community organizer and the director of Springfield Alliance for Equity and Respect, SAFER. I grew up in Springfield and attended Springfield Public Schools from K to 12. I'm deeply involved and committed to the whole community that I know and care about. My focus is to make sure that all residents in Springfield, including immigrant, low income, underrepresented, and marginalized folks, know that their voices are heard in the chambers. I will be a voice so that folks are part of the decision making process giving the council a deeper sense of the work we need to do in Springfield. As your city councilor, I will have the opportunity to serve all of you. It's important that the council hears about the current issues we face on a daily basis. That way we can work together to unify Springfield and make it a city that feels equitable to live in. I have a track record of being able to win for the people and we need to bring everyone inside so that we can address the issues that have been affecting everyone. And thank you very much, Mark Molina, for allowing us to be able to to be here. Yes, sir. Thank you for participating. Thank you. Uh, Chris? Good evening, and thanks for allowing me the opportunity to share with you some of our ideas on how we can help make Springfield that we know and love build up while also responding to change in a meaningful manner. I'm a third-generation Springfielder and a fourth-generation Oregonian. I look uh, to bring up opportunities while respecting all of the communities that have built and make Springfield what it is today. I come from working class roots and serve in advocacy and direct services uh, in our town. While I have a background of experiences that showcase my Springfield roots, I am eager to present our possible paths for Springfield solutions. I serve as an appointed capacity on the Springfield Utility Board Budget Committee, which I currently chair, as well as the Poverty and Homelessness Board, which I serve on 10 committees, work groups, and chair two of, and I'm also part of the Springfield Technical Advisory Committee for the Housing Development Code Update. When I'm not working in that capacity, or as the director of Carry It Forward, I work with our local nonprofits such as Springfield Shelter Rights Alliance, Square One Villages, Eugene Springfield Solidarity Network, Social Advance, Egan, North Star, and Occupy Medical as a board member or advisory member. I consider myself a friend of the Springfield and Eugene Chambers and an ally for those who are in need in our community. As a candidate in the previous Ward 3, I thank both Corey and Johannes for making the decision to step forward and help lead Springfield to a bright future and Mark for bringing access and awareness to all three of our campaigns. Thank you very much. Corey? Thank you. My name is Corey Rodley. I currently work at United Way as the Equity and Engagement Manager, and I've spent over 25 years working in nonprofit management and with small, locally owned, mission driven businesses. I believe that what we need is a focus on moving Springfield forward for all of us and that we need to invest in livable neighborhoods and strong communities, and we need to invest in affordable, accessible housing, and we need to invest in safe, maintained infrastructure, and we need to invest in small businesses, particularly, particularly now, we need to really be focused on our small businesses and creating family wage jobs. And I would like to serve as your Springfield City Councilor to bring these values to the forefront my years of working to grow nonprofit services and local businesses, as well as creating jobs for talented, diverse workers in those organizations, all while raising a family and serving in various ways 
has inspired me to become even more involved. And a vote for me will be prioritizing people, all people, and the very people who make Springfield a hometown that we treasure. And I look forward to chatting with you all tonight. Very good. Thank you very much. I want to remind everyone that uh, the candidates, you'll have two minutes to answer the questions. Again, you'll hear me say one minute, you'll hear me say 30 seconds, and then you'll hear me say stop if I need to. If you're not uh, speaking or answering, please keep your uh, systems on mute because it, it will pick up any background noise that you're making. With that said, I will ask the first question. Uh, Philip Farrington will ask the second question. Nick Nelson will ask the third question. We'll go in that rotation. We'll ask the same question of each candidate. If you need us to repeat it, let us know. If you don't need it repeated for the sake of time and that you can get as many questions answered as possible, we will, we will not repeat the question unless you need it so we can get as many questions in as possible. Okay, I will begin with the first question. Corey, since uh, you're the last person to speak, if you're elected, you will be sworn. If you're elected to Ward 3, you will be sworn in as, as Ward 3 City Councilor as our community is recovering from the pandemic. What unique strengths will you bring to the City Council during this recovery process? I'm so glad you asked this question because I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of both my work um, at United Way and um, what that's going to mean for the city of Springfield. As some folks know, I serve on the budget committee for the city of Springfield. So I've been thinking about how that's going to impact um, our budget just for the coming year for 2021. Um, I think that some of the challenges that we're going to have to face are going to be um, maintaining staffing levels or making the adjustments that we need to keep core services. And we've just uh, kind of been in a recovery phase and we've seen an increase in the in revenue and we've been able to um, make some, some, do some growth. And we are probably going to be in a situation where we're going to need to contract. So we may need to be making tough decisions about uh, postponing maintenance or projects that we had hoped to do. Um, it's, it's really going to be, and any of us who've worked in businesses or managed a budget know that sometimes it, it gets to the tough decisions where you have to say, how do we maintain our mission and our course and still do what we need to do while making those, um, those cuts or those adjustments or looking for creative ways to bring in additional revenue and prioritizing what that revenue will look like. So I think that going forward, definitely for the next incarnation of the Springfield City Council, dealing with post-COVID is going to be a very big part of the job. Thank you. Very good. Let me reset. Johannes, same question, two minutes. Uh, can you repeat the question again? Yes, I can. If you're elected to Ward 3 City Council, you will be sworn in at a time as our community is recovering from the pandemic. What unique strengths will you bring to the City Council during this recovery process? Uh, the unique strengths that I would bring is to make sure that I'm bringing in the voices of the folks that we're currently working in right now during the pandemic. As you know, there's a lot of uh, families that aren't getting food right now. There's a lot of evictions going on, even though the executive order was put in place to not have any evictions right now. Um, so we're gonna have to be able to see, um, kind of like what Corey was saying, we gotta be able to prioritize um, where we're gonna be able to put our money in, but as well as making sure that we're hearing what are the key concerns that our residents are having right now? And what are, are the things that we could be able to do and what can we do? 
and start building a plan and a long-term plan of how we're going to be able to recover from this. And again, we need to prioritize the current issues that are affecting folks right now, which is going to be uh, rent once this is all over um, for the families that aren't going to be able to pay that double, triple uh, amount. Um, we understand that there's not going to be any late fees, but that's still a struggle for some of these other families and underrepresented families. Uh, right now, I get calls on the daily. Uh, I get calls on the daily about uh, should I pay rent now or should I hold off? And right now, I've been uh, letting folks and families know that they have to be able to save right now, you know. And we got to be able to find ways as city officials to make sure that we find the best way to be able to support these families in need. Chris, do you need me to repeat the question? Okay, go ahead. Um, as someone being sworn in right after uh, uh, COVID or possibly even during COVID still, we don't know when we get sworn in if things will be done. We don't know if a second surge will happen. We have to be prepared for what we don't know. And as someone who serves in our winter season at the, well, uh, the warming centers, I have risen to the occasion each time. We find solutions for our vulnerable populations. We find the people and the answers in our community and we build up. If we find something's missing, we bring it back, we revisit re and we build again. That's the Springfield way. And I think that I, having grown up in it, having been a kid through our schools, having been a worker in our community, we have had other setbacks, but we keep building, we keep persevering, and we keep looking at strengths in different ways. And so rallying around what we've been able to do to solve these problems in, in these tight, rough times, that's what we need to focus on. And as your next counselor, I would ask those questions. I'd reach out to the businesses who've been shuttered. How can we bring you in right now? I'd reach out to our local governments who are around us who are experiencing the same thing. Share what we've done to solve this and ask how they have. And I'd also reach out to the people who have been experiencing it on the worst. Our unhoused, our elderly, those who have been displaced. Ask them, what is the future now that we have a cleaner slate, an open path? Where do we go for you? Thank you. Very good. With that said, uh, Philip, go ahead and proceed with your question. Okay. Um, Springfield in recent years has had decreasing population. In fact, I think only Oak Ridge has had a slower growth rate in Lane County uh, among all the cities within the county. Uh, the city also faces increasing costs to deliver services. How would you propose reconciling um, these kind of uh, differing trajectories uh, to still provide essential services um, and do you have any ideas for either how you might propose increasing revenues or what might fall off the table as not essential? Which candidate? Uh, let's start with Johannes. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to, uh, if you can repeat that one more time, yeah. that was a long question. <laughs> yeah, sorry, a little background there because the city has had decreasing population yet there's increasing costs for delivering service. How do you reconcile that uh, in providing essential services to the community? What might fall off the table or how would you otherwise uh, propose uh, concepts for increasing revenue to support essential city services? Yeah, so first, uh, the first thing I would be able to do again is currently, uh, once we're able to see where we're currently at right now, um, and where are the places that we could be able to cut where it's not going to affect us entirely. Um, and that's where I'll be able to, to again, we got to be able to listen to our community, to our residents. Where are, where are residents being hit the most? 
uh, where are the things that we know that, um, I'm not gonna say that they're a lost cause, but some of the things that's gonna be a lot more difficult to be able to recover within, like let's say it's within five years. So what are the things that we could be able to recover from within two years? And that's where I'll be, uh, um, be able to be prioritizing my time and, um, and finding these ways and also finding other external revenues to be able to um, bring in, to be able to bring extra funding, the areas that we haven't looked in. And that's the best thing about being able to have these three different candidates is because each of us brings something into the table and we were able to bring in areas that maybe some folks didn't be able to see before. So yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. So I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Okay, select the next uh, candidate you want to question, Phil. Uh, uh, Corey. Can I get the same question? Yeah, can I, okay. do you want me to repeat it? No, 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 you don't need to repeat it. Um, so first of all, just thinking and talking about our decreasing population, one of the core challenges that we have and we are not unique is affordable housing, accessible affordable housing for people. Um, one of the, not one of, the biggest piece of revenue that comes into the city is through property taxes. And by not having enough housing for the people who wanna live here, there's a little, there's some, some room there for us to grow in terms of property tax revenue, I think. Um, and in terms of increasing costs, that is real, that is true. And, and, and we're going to be facing in the future increasing costs to take care of our PERS obligations and other things that are gonna affect us. Now, that said, um, and I'm a little biased because like I said, I'm on the budget committee. I think we have a fantastic financial team at the city already that is forecasting plans and making plans for that, um, for those, those PERS obligations. But I do think that um, prioritizing the core services that the city can do is an important piece to us, making sure that we're, we're making the best use of the finances that we have. And in Springfield, we're really fortunate to have Team Springfield, which is a great partnership between the school, the Springfield School District, Willamette Lane, the city, and SUB. So we're able to partner when we're looking at infrastructure developments and other things. So we're able to, to make some better use of our funds in that way. Is that my time? 30 seconds. Keep going. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that I think that there are ways for us to look for creative partnerships and to leverage that and to leverage our strong community, our strong business relationships um, in order to increase and diversify our revenue. And I think we really need to focus on making sure we have more housing that's affordable so that we can grow our community um, to time to where we want to go. Thank you. Well, thank you for this question. I would like to say first, we have to bring our people in. We have a lot of people, hundreds of people entering UGB, our urban growth boundary. We have people who are trapped through finances from being able to be part of what makes Springfield great. So whereas they get their utilities from us, they don't have the same protections from our police, access to some of our parks and, and uh, services. Though we do have some limited uh, library access. What I would propose is to create an annexation package where we work with locals to come into our city, be able to establish them at a lower rate, maybe give them some incentives to come in, and then we have helped secure our base as we move forward. We build up while we build out a little bit, and we work within the compliance that we've agreed to, 
since the 80s in our uh, UGB and public uh, land use. We are also able to help set seeds for people to invest in the parks in their areas and um, support their schools. We really need to bring our schools back into the fold and have our monies that are going out come back in. So we have kids in our UGBs that go to four-day school districts. So we need to have people reinvest in Springfield and bring all of our people mm -hmm. back. Springfield future. So um, with that in mind, we just keep on building and we, uh, we keep on bringing in. One of the things we can also do is incentivize by having businesses that give living wages that help bring people into our community. Give those people the tax break. Let the people who have been here year after year after year for raising Springfield up. Let's support them. They will hire more people. They will continue those traditions. Is that it? Okay. Uh, Nick Nelson, you have the next question. All right, can everybody hear me? Yes. All right. Thank you all for uh, coming here tonight. Uh, my question is everybody has been out, I assume, talking to the community and to citizens. What are you hearing on the streets that uh, people think that the city is doing well? And what do you think, or what are they saying that the city can improve on? And how would you continue the momentum of the good? And how would you hopefully correct the you know, trajectory of the bad? Which and we'll start with Corey. Thank you. Um, I miss knocking on doors because I started last fall and was able to knock for months and months and I've been just missing it deeply. Um, so the number one concern that I heard talking to people is concerns about affordable housing. People are concerned about whether they're renting, whether they're, they own their home, um, the, whether the neighborhood is changing or not. People are concerned about being able to stay in their neighborhood invest in those neighborhoods and have there be affordable housing at all levels. So that's one of the main things. Um, one of the, pe people are excited about what has happened in downtown Springfield. And I think that people are ready to see that extend outward into other pockets of town. And so depending on where I was knocking on doors, people would say, I'd really love to see this neighborhood develop. I'd really love to see more of that. Um, people are definitely concerned about infrastructure, about what do we have, what do our roads look like? Do we have enough um, bicycle lanes, things like that. Those are the things we're talking about as well. Um, so those are, those are the main things that I was hearing on the doors. And uh, I think people live in Springfield and, and we love it. And we're here because we want to. People love Willamette Lane parks and they're tucked in all sorts of neighborhoods. So a lot of people experience that regularly. So that's one of the, the things that people are really proud of. But affordable housing, infrastructure, um, seeing that growth okay. and seeing that manage that economic growth out through the city. Thank you. Who's the next oh, um, sorry, computer issues. Uh, next would be Chris, please. Thanks. Um, opportunity for jobs that pay the rent, that keep up with growing costs and, and keeping our, 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 our money flowing. Um, that's been one of the biggest concerns, but one of the strengths that I keep hearing about is how we have been able to help pay for our streets and start to fix some of the uh, some of the uh, how, uh, the the streets uh, that's been un unattended for years. We've been able to look at 
how we've been able to respond and engage more other cities. From CUINC, which one of our uh, peers has helped uh, uh, set up um, to uh, give more access to underserved communities, that's something that people started to hear. People started to say that they feel like when they go into the city library, that the library is responsive and reflective about what they're interested in. So when we have public works and public access points that are inclusive and engaging, people have been really supportive of that. People have been concerned that sometimes the police are not necessarily responsive to them, that they don't necessarily understand what's going on or when other people say things that are not true, that people are afraid to come to them for that knowledge. And so that's one of the biggest concerns about some of the people that I've been engaging with daily. I work with the unhoused. I work with people of different underserved communities who are asking for support. 30 seconds. And people. Oh, am I ready? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm on the, I'm kind of like Chris, I'm on the ground almost every day speaking with families. Um, pre-pandemic and current pandemic. Uh, yeah, a lot of folks, uh, kind of like Corey was saying, is affordable housing. Uh, where, um, where can we be able to create affordable uh, houses and, and how can they be able to get support? A lot of the information, um, especially working with underrepresented families, a lot of them don't know a lot of the information on how to be able to find extra assistance to pay their bills. Um, don't know, uh, don't have a, a strong connection with, um, with the city. And, um, and that's something that, you know, that's something that we, hopefully we could be able to work on together is building that bridge, building that bridge of information, having uh, information translated into Spanish and the other languages that we have here in Springfield. Um, yes, Chris, you were on it. Affordable, uh, uh, being able to have jobs that have affordable wages where families could be able to pay rent and be able to also be able to go buy food without having to decide which one mm -hmm. am I going to use. Um, the other thing is uh, straining, strengthening the connection between schools and the city, making sure that we as a community feel like we're together on some of the decision makings that are happening. Uh, one of the good things uh, that I hear a lot is the library. A lot of folks and families feel like they're connected to the city by that, by the culture events that they have there, um, by how accessible it is uh, to be able to speak to somebody in Spanish, to be able to get some of the information of what they need. 30 seconds. But we do need to be able to, um, yeah, we do need to be able to hear a lot of these folks um, on some of these things because if we're hearing families that feel like they're not connected and they lived here for almost 20 to 30 years, um, that's something that we need to be able to strain together. Thank you. All right, my next question, John, is you're the last to speak, so I'll start with you. As our community is, the business community is now beginning to hemorrhage. Uh, businesses are closing, some, some are laying employees off, and some are shutting their doors already. Uh, businesses are applying online for these loans to the stimulus money to get reinvigorated or reengaged to hopefully survive. If you're elected, uh, to City Council of Ward 3, how would you plan to engage the business community in the city's priority setting and decision-making process as we recover together? Um, first of all, um, I'll make sure that I'm speaking directly with a lot of these businesses and prioritizing our local, our local businesses that we have here in our community. 
uh, I think it's important that we keep a lot of these hidden gyms alive. And just like right now, uh, we're currently, um, I'm currently working with the county to be able to make sure that when we have these things that we're applying for, this extra funds or loans, um, that we are focusing on these folks. Because that money went quick. That $400,000 that I believe it was three Fridays ago, uh, went within, within, I think, 20 minutes of that. So we got to make sure that we're actually supporting and helping out um, our local uh, our local businesses, our hearts of our community. And by doing that is making sure that um, whenever these things are going out, like for instance, um, I saw something on the register guard that a lot of these businesses are going to be giving out uh, food to, um, oh, I got the wrong <laughs> um, A lot of these businesses are going to be able to uh, get some type of funds to give out uh, food out for the homeless. Those are the places that we need to be able to make sure that our hidden gems are, you know, El Buen Taco, you know, Kona Cafe and a couple other folks are being prioritized when we're focusing on giving out uh, these food to support these businesses to stay alive. Okay, uh, Chris, do you need me to repeat the question? Yes, please. Okay, so if you're elected, our, our economy, our business economy right now is, they are struggling. And they're, they're applying for their loans, they're applying for the stimulus money. How would you, if you're elected, make sure that they're incorporated into the cities, the business community, into the city's priority setting and their decision-making process? How would you bring in the business community so that they can begin to recover? First of all, I, thank you for that question. I'd like to uh, reach out to our economic uh, developer, Courtney Greasel, and have her help ha uh, Show off some of the supports that we have and know about from our connections with our state and uh, county counterparts regarding uh, what's available in terms of funds and recovery dollars. Also reaching out with some of our local partners while the crisis is still going on uh, is what we need to be doing um, to be able to help support them, get them involved in some of the solution making so that they have the base to move forward. Um, there's uh, opportunities such as the payroll protection uh, uh, plan, which you can uh, currently sign up for and be able to secure, uh, as long as you're keeping people employed, secure those employees. So there's resources that a lot of people don't know about. So um, it's uh, based off of February 2020 data. So uh, if you were employing people in that time, then I would try and help encourage them then because from here to then, those opportunities are still exist. Yeah. Um, the recovery dollars available to the state and there's also working with uh, our local chambers, they know who their body is and they know how to help reach out. We need more focus groups and maybe we need to have a task to be able to see how we can move forward as a community. Very good, thank you. Corey, do you need me to repeat the question? No, thank you. Um, I think since you're focusing on what um, can be done post-COVID or during COVID. First of all, we do have a very strong relationship. The city and the Chamber of Commerce do have a very strong relationship already. Additionally, there are other business organizations and networking groups that are connected in other ways. But I think it's also important for us to think about what is the role of a city council and what can we do? And in terms of promoting economic growth and promoting those partnerships, that's a big piece of it, but also, um, the city council has the has a little bit of wiggle room and leeway to be able to look at how can we create incentives for businesses to reopen. Are there ways that we can waive fees that we can create some um, 
a, a much warmer climate for folks to reopen and to continue to employ people or to re-employ people. So I think that that's an important thing for the council to be looking at is what are some things that, that the council can do to improve the climate moving forward so that those businesses can operate um, and to create some incentives and some support for them in addition to supporting partnerships with those those business organizations. Uh, I think that also it's it's within every um, every difficulty there are some opportunities and as we've already been talking about how do we extend economic growth throughout Springfield this is an opportunity to be really intentional about that and to support and encourage businesses throughout the city and you're absolutely right businesses are hemorrhaging and there are some federal and some state dollars and so the city has to look at what do we have control over that we can also help to augment that support for businesses going forward very good, thank you. Uh, Philip uh, Farrington, a question? Yeah, um, as the uh, representative of the whole community of Springfield and not you know, uh, from Ward 3, uh, I'm wondering how you propose engaging the public in community decision-making and specifically improving transparency at City Hall so that you know, there's 15 of us here on this this forum, um, there may be on a, any given uh, city council meeting uh, as many people. How do you propose engaging more of the public and the people that you represent in Springfield? Which candidate? Uh, Chris. I would, uh, thank you, Phil. Um, I would engage more members of our public by having more focused groups, being able to reach out on certain topics, maybe have it be a theme, maybe have it be what's decided by committee members who've submitted it a couple weeks in advance so we can make sure that we have the right kind of materials available. One thing that I'm a big fan of is improving access. As a city councilor, I would ask that at least two days of the month be available where we have people accessible to the government who would not ordinarily be able to be accessible. Having more Spanish speaking, uh, persons there to help relate to city councilors in the voice of the, of the native uh, speaker, to be able to have people who have a little bit more time to help people who might have a head injury navigate through some of our permitting processes. We really need to meet people where they are and be able to make our government accessible. What we learned with CityLink was uh, that we have a lot of resources and tools already built in, but not a lot of people know how they are accessible or when they are. And so, mm -hmm. As a city councilor, I would like to make sure that we made those more apparent, be more engaging, put our city council meetings out in the public like we have in these COVID times and be able to be more engaged. Let the people speak and hear the people. Listening tours are, are something that we should really revamp and bring back and also reach out to each of the groups in our community and each ward, making the voice go to them. So thank you. Johannes? Um, just like Chris said, um, I would make sure that I'm hearing the key issues that what we've, we've been continuing to hear from the community um, and be able to, yeah, be able to create those focus groups to be able to actually hear what are the key things and be able to, when we are picking folks for those focus groups, to make sure that we have different representation um, uh, in Springfield. And yes, I do believe we need to be able to hire um, more folks to actually represent our community. 
folks that um, people could be able to relate to and people that actually came out um, from, from some of these areas um, because those are the folks that are able to not only build those bridges, um, as I've seen for myself working for Safer for almost three years, um, the resources, uh, being able to uh, give a lot of these resources to these families that they didn't even know even existed in our city. So we, yes, we do need to make these more visible. We need to put these in bold on our website. We need to go to the populations um, that we don't normally travel when we're giving out this type of information. Uh, we have to make sure that we go hit up the block and go in deep into the Latinx community, into the API community that we have here um, uh, that's strong. Uh, asking them what, what do they feel? Why do they feel disconnected? What could be more effective for them to be able to um, access these places, but not just only access, but be able to have accessibility. That's great that a lot of uh, that we are able to have access. Um, but if you, we can't understand each other and we aren't speaking the same language, um, then that's a concern. Um, so we need to be able to prioritize a lot of the issues of these families. Thank you. Uh, Nick Nelson, your question. All right, uh, it's a short one, but what would be your number one goal if elected to serve Springfield? So we'll start with Chris this time. I, um, did Corey get to answer that last question? I don't know, Mark told me to ask. Corey, did you get a chance to answer that last question? I did not. I apologize. Thank you for your That's patience right. and uh, the extended right. grace. I appreciate Chris being equitable and wanting to make sure that I was included. I appreciate that. Um, I think the, 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 the nugget of the question that you asked was around transparency. And I think that if you asked anyone probably who's on the current city council, they would feel or think that things are already very transparent. However, um, in the work that I've done on the Equity and Access Advisory Board for Lane County in this past year, we did a fair amount of work around how do we make public meetings more accessible. And so when we say the word accessible, people think, oh, what, what does that actually mean? Well, it might mean the time of day, it might mean what we have proven in the last three or four weeks that we can do is that we can have meetings in these alternate ways. And it's not necessarily that people have to drive to the city council chamber and sit there for a meeting. And now we've shown that we can make them more accessible to people from their own homes. So I think accessibility can mean a lot of different things. It can mean what Johannes was saying in terms of going to communities, and it can also mean adjusting, pulling apart our systems to make them more accessible and more transparent. One minute. Putting things putting things on the website is one thing, but people may not necessarily know where to go to get them. One of the things that I have found to be really useful as I've been um, campaigning since not being able to knock on doors is just to have these kinds of conversations and to use technology and to use ways to reach out to people and to just be as honest and transparent as possible. So I think we have a lot of opportunities at the city of Springfield and we're just starting to stretch and flex those muscles and to continue to build on how do we make it accessible and how do we be really transparent about the work that we're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I apologize for that, Corey. I'm, I'm trying to manage the, to stop watch people entering the program and uh, go, going on my sites. So I apologize, everyone. Okay, Nick, uh, your question now, sir. All right, all right. So number one goal, if elected to serve Springfield, and 
So I still feel so bad that Corey got skipped on the last one. We're going to start with Kerr this time. <laughs> I don't know if it's better to go first because then I have to think fast. Um, my number one goal would be what I think is the number one concern right now for the city, which is housing. It's accessible housing. We need more of everything everywhere. So at all levels of housing, we just need more of it and we need to um, ensure that everybody who wants to live here gets to live here, that we are not pushing people out. We are not, um, people are not living in substandard housing. People who are unhoused are able to have shelter. I think housing is the, the number one concern and would be the place where I would wanna just hit the ground running. Thank you. Who's next, Nick? Uh, let's have Johannes, please. Uh, can you say the question again? Uh, just your number one goal if elected to uh, serve Springfield. What is my number one goal? Yep. That is hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do believe housing is one, making sure that families have a home. Um, but for the families that do have the home, um, do have a home, again, we got to make sure that we're we're speaking. My main priority would be able to uh, make sure that that we're building these um, these bridges through these different institutions, because that's going to be a way that we're actually being able to get the support that we need for housing, uh, for our electricity, for how certain things function within the city to be able to address some of the concerns of our of our residents. Our residents right now don't know uh, some of the some of our res, uh, residents under an underrepresented community. They don't know currently right now where are certain places uh, to be able to go seek for for support and help. And that's what we're currently struggling right now. And during COVID, um, families are struggling because they don't have the information. Some families are getting kicked out of their homes uh, because of the lack of information because they're not able to hold their tenants uh, accountable because they don't have the information to hold these folks accountable. So as council, uh, as your next city councilor, I wanna prioritize and make sure that, this, uh, that we're building these bridges to these areas. That way we can be able to pass that information in order to be able to support the families that are in need. Thank you, Nick. My number one goal as the next city councilor for Ward 3 would be to establish a path for residency. We need to make sure that people are in Springfield, that they have homes in Springfield, that they have jobs for Springfield, that they come to Springfield knowing that we care and we will be inclusive of them. Get them in our schools, have the proper programs available, welcome people with open eyes and open arms. We are really needing to build up our base. We have an older population, we have displaced workers who have not been able to get on their feet, and we have kids who are graduating out of high school we don't know what they're going to do and they move out. We have a brain drain. So we need to bring people back to Springfield and build it. So I want to establish goals that make it easier to rent here, easier to buy here, and easier to build here. And so a path to residency. Thank you. Well, that's a great segue into my next question for all three of you. And Chris, we'll start with you since you finished last. Uh, it's around the issue of housing. Now that all of you, I think, believe all of you are very well uh, acquainted with and exposed to the majority of our community in many facets that are quite commendable. Uh, you have all of you have direct involvement with many areas of need. 
Regarding affordable housing, if you're elected to Ward 3 City Council uh, representative for the city of Springfield, what would your affordable housing strategy or policy proposal be within that framework? As a city councilor, I really feel like our future is based on the communities that surround us as well as where we choose to grow. So by building in the urban growth boundary, utilizing incentives to uh, build out for the people who are actually going to be charging the rent. So a lot of our Lurpy and Muppy stuff focuses on developers, but after a certain extent, um, it's, uh, it's able to uh, be put down or picked back up within a certain time frame. I would really like to be able to incentivize people who are renting to keep those rents low, keep those rents accessible, supporting uh, changes to our code that will allow workers to be able to be closer to work and be on site, support people that we bring in for special trade and special needs to make sure that they have roots here. And also for every student housing unit that we build, that we look at building a uh, middle-class uh, accessible house as well as two um, low-income houses. Mm -hmm. We need to really make sure that we are juggling both the populations that we would like to have populations that we have been built by and the populations that are supporting us in our current way. So we have to make sure that there's options all, all the way up, but we need to make sure that there's more options on the bottom for people to grow up into so then we can start to afford to build the new houses, the bigger houses, and the bigger projects. Utilizing CTE, utilizing our vocational program, getting our students involved in investing and building our future, creating a trade through this. Having everybody have a hand in the future of Springfield. That's how we build affordable housing. Thank you. Johannes? Uh, for a lot of the things that Chris was saying, it is basically uh, a lot of the same thing. Um, so I'm honored that I was able to work alongside of Chris and learn a lot of the same things. So that's why. Uh, <laughs> In order to not repeat the same thing of what he said, um, yeah, I'm gonna repeat the exact same thing that he said. Uh, yeah, we gotta make sure that we keep uh, rent low. We gotta make sure that if we are uh, creating a lot of these uh, low-income homes, um, that we have folks to be able to to actually have access to be able to live there. Um, right now, I, I got off the phone earlier this morning with several different families where some of the low-income uh, homes weren't equitable uh, enough for them they they didn't have enough money to be even pay the rent so if they're low um affordable homes um why are they un uh, so uh unaccessible um so we got to make sure that yeah that we are prioritizing um that we are prioritizing um and making sure that families feel like they're um like they're being listened to like they're being heard like their concerns are are being addressed and that we all end up having a a, a shelter um I apologize, but uh, yeah, um, that's why. Very good, thank you. Corey, do you need me to repeat the question? Nope, but thank you for offering. So um, I wanna build on what's been said and talk about what has not been said. First of all, Springfield has done a lot of great things around trying to remove barriers to encourage housing. Um, if we wanna compare ourselves to what's happened in Eugene, we have already moved on to allowing ADUs 
um, dwelling units that folks can build on their properties. And we have done some other things to encourage housing. So I think we can continue to build on that because ADUs are still a little bit cost prohibitive for folks, just the ordinary person to try to build. Um, I also think that we can focus on housing that we have ignored. And this is part of that conversation around what's called the missing middle, which is building duplexes and triplexes and taking some of these big lots that we have in some of these older neighborhoods and dividing them up and having more housing that's smaller and more affordable. And, and yes, we need to make sure that rents is affordable, but also I, I am a proponent of encouraging people to be able to purchase and to create incentives and programs. Um, I spent some time working on the CDBG, um, the Community Development Block Grant Committee, and, and how do we get people so that they can actually own their homes? I think that's an important part of our being able to actually build our population in Springfield. Um, we aren't necessarily building sweet little post-World War II affordable houses like we used to for years. And so we need to look at how do we build those houses that are two, three bedroom houses. Um, so, and the thing that wasn't mentioned is we need to get people who are unhoused into stable housing, whether that's tiny homes, whether that's supportive housing, we need to get people who are unhoused into safe, stable housing too. So those are some things that I think that we should look into how to do better. Very good, thank you. Uh, Philip, your next question. Yeah, um, each of you would be a first-time um, elected official, citywide elected official. Um, how would you envision, uh, what would you need to get up to speed uh, to effectively be a counselor day one? And do you have a role model for public service? Which candidate? Uh, let's start with Johannes. Yeah, so um, if elected, um, what I would need to know is just uh, what are the different institutions um, uh, that we have here in Springfield. Uh, for myself, um, I'm gonna, I am a nerd and uh, um, I love to be able to learn and get uh, whatever information because a lot of this stuff is new, to, is new for me, you know, and it's new for a lot of the folks in the community as well. Um, so I would like to be able to get like whether taking the class on CityLink and understanding the different institutions that, that we currently have within our city. How do they work? How do they function? Um, how, do, how can be, people be able to get access to it? Um, the same way that I would be providing this information out to the community, that's the information that I would like to be able to know. Um, you know, uh, city counselors, yes, so luckily I've had uh, various different uh, amazing tutors that I've been able to uh, at least speak to throughout this time. You know, currently some of the city counselors, you got um, Sean Van Gordon, who I pick his mind a lot. You got Steve Moe, you got Leonard Stair, um, and then as well as, you know, our County Commissioner Joe Bernie. Um, those are the folks that I do look up to, especially of how successful uh, certain things have been and even challenging, even if uh, we, uh, on an, if we at one point even didn't see eye to eye, it still was a way for them to be able to challenge me and see a different perspective. Um, because that's the thing that a lot of the things within this, um, with running for office and, and being in these elected positions, um, it, it's hard for folks with, from my community to be able to be in, in, even trying to be able to run for the seat because there isn't information out there for us to be able to learn. So I think for myself, what being in there is, uh, the first thing what I would do is ask a whole bunch of questions, figure out uh, which department does what, uh, who's, who are the 
people that I need to talk to to be able to talk about concerns, complaints, and as well as us, as me as an elected uh, official, uh, being able to pass that information on. That way we can be able to fill our chambers uh, to be able to hear our constituents about their issues and concerns. Thank you. Who's next, uh, Phil? Um, to Chris. Thank you. As a newly elected city councilor, I would have some of the technicalities to learn, of course, um, what does uh, uh, privileged communication, what's an executive session really look like? A lot of it's the experience. I've had great role models with our current, uh, current council, as well as people who have been in Springfield and in our community for a long time, such as Councillor Van Gordon, Councillor Stair, Councillor Moe, and uh, Mayor Lundberg, as well as uh, Representative Lively, who I've been able to watch up on the Hill and ask questions uh, about what was it like in 1984 when I was born. So with that in mind, um, understanding the relationships of the, the board, the council with other groups, uh, having been on committees with uh, Commissioner Farr and uh, being able to work with Commissioner Bernie as well on Springfield issues has been really able to see both the scope and scale of each solution. Whereas I'm often in the trenches working with our unhoused and our disadvantaged folks, sometimes it's harder for people to see the 30,000 foot view, but being able to juggle both of those at the same time and make a decision with the rest of my peers from uh, on Springfield Council would be one of the things I think I could grow the best with and, and help cultivate. Very good, thank you. Is it my turn? It's your turn, Corey. All right. So while I am definitely will be new to elected um, service, I am not new to community service. And I have to tip my hat off to my to my my hat off to my opponents um, because I would not have felt like I was ready to take on um, an elected position when I was in, in their shoes, when I was younger. So all of the years of serving on budget committees and serving on boards of directors and, and um, being an executive director of a nonprofit organizations and, and all of that experience has led me to the place that I'm at where I feel like I am um, prepared and ready to step into this role as an elected official. Um, I have lots of people who have mentored me over time, and not all of them have been in elected positions. Um, one of the most influential people for me is a per as a colleague and a person that I cherish named Mo Young, who is the Equity and Diversity Coordinator for Lane mm -hmm. County, um, and is someone who, from whom I have learned how to um, bring that experience that we both have of being younger and being activists and being passionate about things, how to actually do real work within government structure because it looks different and things move differently on the inside than they move on the outside. And so Mo is someone who has inspired me a lot to learn how to do that. So on day one, I would feel rather prepared to step into this, but that has taken years to get to that Good place seconds. where Feel like I could do that and have learned and stumbled and and had people who were willing to work with me and have been willing to you know I've stepped into these positions not knowing what do you do on a budget committee and I've learned there to get to the place where I feel like 
stepping on day one, I'm ready to go. Very good. It's 826, so with that said, we're gonna to transition to final uh, statements from the candidates as this is only an hour long uh, forum. Corey, we'll start with you since you're the last one up. What is uh, What final comments would you like to make to the voters regarding your candidacy? So like most of you out there, I also want a fair-minded and an honest city councilor who knows how to prioritize people and someone with the experience to manage our limited resources and to meet the changing community needs. I am running to serve Ward 3 and all of Springfield because I believe my diverse experiences, my collaborative and effective problem solving and common sense approach to finding workable solutions is what our communities need during these particularly challenging times. And now more than ever, we will need to roll up our sleeves carefully navigate an unpredictable future and keep the well-being of all of Springfield at the forefront and we will need to explore our differences and find those places and conversations where our shared values bring us together as we move Springfield forward through these rocky times in an equitable dignified and respectful way and I believe that my deep understanding of how to get that real work done in government and my determination to make sure we all move forward together will bring innovation, growth, and fair solutions to our housing and economic challenges. And I'm asking you to vote for Corey Rodley for all of Springfield on Tuesday, May 19th. And I thank you all for engaging in the democratic process so fully. Thank you. Um, Chris? Chris, are you on mute? It appears I am, sorry. <laughs> this has been a wonderful opportunity. I look forward to exploring some of the items further as the campaign and as our Springfield experience rolls on. We are a hardworking community and you can expect no less from me as your next city councilor. I do the work, I do the research, I ask the questions and I hear the people. With endorsements and statements of support from leaders of our community such as Councilor Stair, Councilor Semple, Sue Sierra Lupe of Occupy Medical, Alan Zundel of Social Advance. I feel like I bring a dedicated and compassionate voice that will ask the questions we need to have asked and offer the responses that the people of Springfield want to hear when it comes to the tough decisions that govern our daily lives. Please check out my Rooted in Springfield Facebook page where you'll find my website and email. I'm on CrowdPack if you would like to contribute, but more importantly, I'm interested in your time to speak, to help, to lead. We are here because you are here with us. I ask you for your vote May 19th, and I thank you for your time helping our town look forward to 2020. Thank you very much. Johannes? I'm ready to serve as your city councilor. I have served my community my whole life, translating for families when I was nine years old and advocating for students in my community since high school. As a director of SAFER, I'm on the ground on a daily basis, talking to Springfield residents and regularly communicating with city staff and individual city councilors. Uh, for the past several years, I have been building these relationships and want families to know that they also have a bridge to city government. I've I have experienced finding resources and making sure residents of Springfield know what is available and their rights to access them. During the, this pandemic, I've been gathering uh, information to residents about the new state and federal policies and programs of what this means for them, as well as providing food, uh, food and meals to families and dropping them off at their homes. 
I am the product of a poor immigrant families and know the issues that are affecting these communities. I think my experience is necessary on the city council to truly give a voice to the low income immigrant and underrepresented people of Springfield. So um, as your next city councilor, I hope, I hope to be able to continue to bring changes and continue to be able to speak truth and hopefully to be able to bring more uh, residents to be able to be engaged um, um, with our democratic uh, policies. Uh, sorry about that. With, with our uh, with city government. It's important that families know how to be able to access, how to be able to create change, and how to be able to pass and speak their truth to be able to have us as city councilors here understand and be able to fight for the change that we need for our residents. So thank you so much. And sorry, I'm off scripted, but uh, I need to speak from the heart because because that's how our community is. They're out here with their hearts every day, speaking their truth, and it's time for us to listen. So thank Very you. Very good, thank you. Uh, uh, Corey Rodley, Johannes Tadeo, Chris McAllister, candidates for Award 3 City Council Springfield. Thank you for your willingness, your participation tonight. Uh, Nick Nelson, fellow Ferryton, thank you for your participation on the panel. For all you that logged on to hear this, thank you for your willingness to sacrifice your time this evening. Uh, we'll get this uploaded as well to Molina Leadership Business and Development Solution page, and everyone can view it and share it from there. Uh, thank you all. Uh, God bless you all, and all of you have a good night. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.